There's this kid I talked to recently, and I've been dying to introduce you to him. Well, my name is Judah, and I am 12 years old. Like a lot of 12-year-olds, Judah has an online presence. He's on Twitter, he's got a blog, he makes little videos of himself. But Judah takes his internet profile farther than most kids. He's put out three episodes of a podcast. Okay, coming up for today's starter is we're talking everything beef, Wellington. It's called Shea Judah. It's about cooking. And not just little kid cooking, real cooking. As in, he traveled from his home in London all the way to Paris to learn baking techniques from the pastry chef at Le Cordon Bleu. How old were you when you knew you wanted to be a chef? Tu avais quel âge quand tu savais que tu voulais être un chef? 13 ans. 13 years old. J'avais 13 ans et c'est parce que ma mère faisait beaucoup de... Judah is like a legit child chef. He's even been a contestant on MasterChef Junior. Let me tell you a little secret, right? The dumplings are so good, I couldn't even get them in my mouth fast enough. That's how good they were. When I called Judah, he told me he never really wanted to cook. He said he only got started because he got tired of inventing, like little life hack stuff. Back in grade school, he invented a laser beam that would set off his Nerf gun and also a fishing pole for people who are terrible at fishing. Almost like a mousetrap for fish. But Judah got bored of inventing things because he says it was hard to actually make those things. And he was drawn to cooking for a very specific reason. Because usually you're not allowed to get so close to fire, especially at my age. And have you enjoyed getting close to fire? Yes. What do you like about it? It's just the fact that fire is life to me. Because if we didn't have fire, we wouldn't have heat. Without heat, we wouldn't have light. Without light, we wouldn't have life. And also, fire is really fun to play with. You could do a lot of things with it. You could have a campfire, probably make some s'mores. Or you could just amaze your friends with like really cool magic tricks with it. Like putting a match out in your mouth or something. Just in case anyone's listening, I don't let my son just sort of roam around with fire and put out matches in his mouth and stuff like that. This is Kara, Judah's mom. <laughs> that is not something that happens. This is The Longest Shortest Time. I'm Hillary Frank. And this Judah kid, this adorable little overachiever, today's story is about him. But it's also about his mom, Kara. Her story... Well, her story, it's remarkable. It is full of obstacles and adversity, and it spans three countries and an ocean. So we're going to get back to more wonderful 12-year-old chef tape. We're going to hear more clips from his podcast. But first, Kara. Kara grew up in Bermuda, a tiny island about the size of Manhattan. And um, it's surrounded by beaches. And I just have memories of being free and running on the beach. And um, I, have, I have a lot of cousins. Um, I have like uh, 21 first cousins. Wow. And um, yeah, I have a big family. And so there was always children everywhere and singing and laughing. Kara lived with her sister, her brother, her parents, and her grandma. Her mom was her best friend. 
They'd go to the beach and have competitions to see who could make the coolest jewelry out of shells. On Sunday nights, her mom would make huge family dinners, and Kara would help out by making paper menus for everyone, written in cursive. But Kara's mom was sick. She had bone marrow cancer. She was constantly going to doctors, getting medical treatments. She had been for years. Then, when Kara turned 12, her mom died. And so... You know, our lives were overturned. It went from it went from truly being idyllic to like one hundred percent the opposite. Kara was devastated. She recognized how young she was to lose her mom, and she was terrified of forgetting her and and all their good memories. At the same time, those good memories were haunting. They made her feel like all the good stuff was in the past, and the future, the future felt dark. Her mom wouldn't be there to comfort her as she became a teenager or or answer any of her questions about how the world works. Everywhere she went, people kept telling Kara how much she looked like her mom, and she kind of wanted to escape the attention and, and all those reminders, start fresh. And when she turned 14, she did. A boarding school up in Canada was recruiting in Bermuda. They were offering full rides, airfare included. Kara got one of the scholarships. Which was great, because her dad couldn't afford the tuition at her private school anymore, because he was paying off all of her mom's medical bills. So in the fall of ninth grade, Kara got on a plane and headed north to Ontario. It was strange being in a new country with, with a new climate, without beaches, where people walk more quickly. But Kara's sister came too, which made the transition easier. After four years of snow and Canadian high school and dorm life, it was time for Kara to head back to Bermuda. It was especially hard to say goodbye to her roommate. When I was leaving school, she said to me, don't go get pregnant. And I was like, that is so weird. Like, who says that? Um, And and really, like, (laughs) within like six or seven months, I was pregnant. Back in Bermuda... Kara met a guy. Uh, He was the opposite of me. Um, And actually, Judah is a lot like him in in many ways. Like, uh, I'm very excitable. Uh, I can, you know, he he was sort of very calm, always very measured, slow to anger. So we were super serious and totally in love. Like, I was proud to be pregnant, but you know what I mean? Like, it wasn't, you know, none of it was was, uh, tragic or disappointing. It was all wonderful. Life was going to be amazing. Thing is, Kara was due to leave for college in the fall. She even had a full scholarship from a bank. But the school was all the way in London. Kara's aunts tried to get her to defer, you know, to put off going to school. But Kara felt like she could not let this opportunity go, or any opportunity, really. It's this feeling she got after her mom died. You know, one of those, like, you you never know how long you've got kind of things. Plus, she thought compared to losing her mom, flying to London and having a baby while starting college would be easy. So she went. Her boyfriend came too. Kara was five months pregnant. Uh, we, We ended up staying in a hostel. It took us a few weeks to find somewhere to stay. And then shortly after that, I started school. Where did you go? I went to University of Westminster um, to study journalism. Initially, I, I wanted to 
I had this grand idea. I kind of laugh at, at it now because I wanted to be like a war correspondent. You know, I wanted to like go on the front line and deliver the, the stories to the people. And um, uh, and I I kind of remember, you know, how you have like um, like a I don't want to say like a guidance counselor, but kind of like an advisor. Yeah. Uh, she was like, um, you're having a baby. And I'm like, well, I'm going to have it before I go. Like, I'm not an idiot. And she was like, I think after you have the baby, you might feel different. And I was like, oh, you don't get it. And um, <laughs> and of course, after I had my son, <laughs> I was like, I am not going to the front line. So what was that like? What was it like being... Be starting college and having a baby it was um well I'll say this I had a beautiful pregnancy I mean I, I didn't have any morning sickness um so so I felt wonderful uh but I it 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 very um it was lonely in a sense because very quickly I saw the things that I couldn't do. Like, you know, the, like I, I was not going to go out. I was not going to go to parties. I couldn't just blow money, on, you know, on a trip to Spain or anything like that. I I was very conscious that, you know, I, I got to go buy a, a crib this weekend. And um, as I got bigger, because there was a lot of travel, I don't know if you spent time in London, but it's um, a, a lot of steps and undergrounds and walking. It's, um, I, I guess it's not too dissimilar from, from New York in that sense. But, um, so it, it was very hectic. I was constantly moving. And then there was the logistics of, of, you know, having a baby and, and how I'm going to juggle school. And, um, it's so funny um, as I'm talking about it I realized like I, I didn't know anything like so the idea was my son Judah was due in January and and here in the UK you have a really long break you have like from like the second week of December to like the first week of February off but like when you're in school yeah mm-hmm. so I was like oh great you know I'll have the baby in January that gives me like a month and then I'll I'll come back to school, and um, and I ended up having like an incredibly difficult traumatic birth. It was off. Can I say that it was awful? It was you can it was terrible. <laughs> it was awful. It was just it was terrible. I ended up having an emergency C section where they had to put me under general anesthetic after many hours of labor and like blood and tears and. Um, and I kind of, it just, I, I I don't know what I was thinking. Like it never occurred to me that that would happen. I, I don't know. I honestly thought I would just go to the hospital and have a baby. So I had about a month to sort of recover and figure out how I was going to get to school and childcare. And I was really lucky because, um, a lot of my professors knew that I was pregnant. Um, they were very happy for me to bring my baby to school uh and on the days that I couldn't make it they um they emailed me they called they sent me my assignments they made sure that you know I was still able to be included wow yeah it was it was it was just wonderful like people were just so accommodating and welcoming and um as my son got a little older 
they had a crush at the school. Do they say that in America? Crush? No. It's like, it's it's just another term for like a nursery, but it's not like, um, it's not like a, it's not preschool. It's just a little nursery. Uh-huh. Uh, and they had it in the school and, and you can drop your child off while you're in class. And um, so as he got a bit older, I was able to do that. On top of everything, Kara had to keep up her grades. If she didn't, she could lose her scholarship. I, re- I remember having a conversation with a friend at university at the time. And, you know, she was talking about her weekend and she was like, you know, we went out and I'm so hungover and I'm exhausted. And she looked at me and she was like, what did you do? And I was like, I spent all weekend, you know, simultaneously trying to potty train and clean up pee off the carpet while writing a dissertation. And it was a lot, you know, it, it, it was... um. It was hard. It was hard work. And uh, the, our relationship um, between uh, Judah's father and I was just, we were just constantly trying to keep our heads above water. He was working all the time. I was working all the time. We were dealing with a baby. We were exhausted. We were alone. You know, there, there, there was no, there was, there was never going to be a situation where we were going to have grandparents that can you know, watching for us or, you know, we were never going to be able to go on a holiday or anything like that. So it was just really intense. By the end of college, things were falling apart with Kara and her boyfriend. You know, they they were teenagers when they got together and, and they had grown into different people as adults. They had different friends, different interests. They didn't have much to talk about. Kara was thinking about splitting up but she was scared. I think one of the reasons why I, I felt so conflicted, obviously, was because we had a child together. And, and I was terrified at the idea of doing it by myself. But then when Kara graduated, she had to go back home to Bermuda. One of the conditions of her scholarship was that she had to go work for the bank that paid her tuition. It just seemed like a natural time for change. So before the move, Kara broke up with Judah's dad. Judah was three years old. And so he was still a toddler, you know, starting to, like, properly talk. And and he was asking for his dad a lot. I was really distraught. And I would, I, you know, my, my grandmother pointed out to me, you know, your son is picking up on your feelings. You have to basically pick yourself up. You can't, I mean, feel the way you, you need to feel, but not for too long, because... How you feel affects how he feels. And I would notice it. And if I had a bad day, Judah had a bad day, period. That was it. And it really hit home to me how I needed to get myself together. Coming up, Kara gets it together. Of course, she does it Kara style, and it involves a long plane ride. And Judah gets older and makes things hard all over again. Stay with us. And side note, when you're trying to make this recipe, always make sure you have an adult present because kids and hot oil do not mix. (laughs) We're back with Kara, who's the mother of child chef Judah. When we left off, Kara was 22. She and Judah were living in Bermuda. So she's there in Bermuda working at the bank that gave her the college scholarship, and she's just dreaming of having a more fulfilling career. 
She just didn't know what that career would be. And being a single mom, paying all the bills, there just did not seem to be time to figure it all out. Okay, so when you have a kid, like, as I'm sure you know, you freak out about everything your kid has to do. Like, okay, I got to get him in a good school. I got to put him in extracurricular activities. I got to read to him every night. You know, I need to make sure that he's hitting all his milestones and and he's well behaved. It says please and thank you and all these things. And then I remember thinking about what I wanted for myself. And I really, really just wanted to be happy. And if you ask yourself, like, what makes you happy? You know, it's sort of like, well, you know, I want to be productive. I like to write. I want to be healthy. I want to exercise more and all those type of things. And I thought, okay, so the the family focus here for me and Judah, and I would talk to him like this. And of course, he'd be like three and not really understanding. But it it was here's what we're going to do. We're going to focus on making ourselves happy. That's the plan. And, and, and it was from there and it was, I'm not going to worry about making sure that you're, you know, you're in all these activities and, and, you know, trying to do everything. Let's just be happy. We're going to go, we're going to have dinner on the beach three nights a week, things like that. And slowly I felt like I would, and and it worked. I, I, I felt happier. I felt stronger. I felt more independent. Uh, Judah was happy. Um, and so that's when I felt like, all right, I can do this. It's, it's going to be fine. At night, when Judah was asleep, Caro's one-bedroom apartment got quiet. She was saving money for, for whatever her next big move might be. So she didn't have cable or even the internet to keep herself entertained. Instead, she'd sit down and write like short stories and poetry and screenplays. One day her sister read her stuff and she was like, you know, you should really write for TV and film. Kara entered a script writing contest with a TV pilot about a parole officer in Detroit. She didn't win that contest, but she felt like, yeah, I, I could do this. So she applied to a screenwriting program in the UK and got in. Judah was five when they moved back to London, just starting primary school. And they've been there ever since. And Kara, Kara became a scriptwriter. She's written for lots of kids shows on the BBC, including one that's really popular in the UK called Rasta Mouse. Excellent. This is a wicked new tune. Yeah, man. Me can't wait to play this track at the tournament. True that. So, you know, Kara had a rough start. Her mom died when she was a kid. She had a baby when she was just a kid herself. She raised her son mostly on her own. But when she emailed our show, she said that right now, like this time right now, raising a 12-year-old boy, it's been the hardest part of motherhood. Because Judah, he's got questions. Big life questions. Judah's 12, so he's becoming more aware of the news. And, you know, he'll be listening to the news and he'll hear something that freaks him out. And then he'll have a question about it. And then that question will lead to a ton of questions. One of them was, what would happen if Russia and America went to war with each other and who would win? Another one was, um, how could we cure world hunger? And another one was, how can we totally abolish slavery? So, so tell me about um, trying to answer his questions about slavery. Oh, God. 
Um, okay, well, slavery is a tough one um, because, well, he is black, and it's sort of like I want him to understand, um, you know, the history of it and the impacts then and now. But it's it's I also I don't want um, him to become super angry uh, you know what about it like and I want him to be able to process those feelings um with support I don't want him to sort of go off and and sort of simmer about it so I did say that um you know hate hatred is a human condition you know everyone can experience it and it, that is why it's important to, you know, one of the reasons why it's so important to learn about slavery is so that it never happens again. It's hard to to give him answers because, you know, I can't rationalize slavery. You know, there, there's no way to make it in, in any context okay, but it's like I'm trying to help him understand it. And you could just see the, the he's he's learning about the world. And, you know, five years ago, all I had to do was hug him. And everything was okay. Is that a place where it's been challenging to be a single parent? To have to, like, feel all of that stuff yourself? Yeah, hugely. Um, Because, and and I try and tell you, I mean, I I don't want to sort of make him feel unsafe, but I'm always like, I don't have all the answers. Like, I just want you to know that I'm a person and I'm still learning and... I want you to come to me and think of me as a person that you can talk to. But I also want you to know that sometimes I have to, I have to research things. Like, you know, he, he, he asked me, you know, why was Abraham Lincoln shot after, um, I, I, I think I didn't know, I still don't know much about sort of American history in that sense, but why was he shot after the, the, uh, civil war? Is mm-hmm. that correct? Yes. And I was like, I don't know. <laughs> and he was like, why don't you know? And I mean, I, I did start, I downloaded a podcast about the American Civil War, but it's like 10,000 episodes. And I haven't <laughs> been able to figure it out. So, um, uh, so it is difficult because there there's no one to kind of shoulder that. And he and, thinks um, of you as like all knowing. Yes, exactly. And, and if I don't know, he's like, well, if you don't know, this is a problem. I'm just like, oh, man. Judah says his mom mostly does a good job of fielding his big questions, except there's one where she just did so-so. The world hunger one. What did she say? She, says, she said there's so many different ways that we could cure it, but there's been no one's figured out how to yet, I think. Yeah, yeah. And you were just sort of satisfied by that? Yeah, I just went off into my room and thought about it more. Yeah, what did you think? I thought if it was possible to genetically change a like like something that uh, reproduces really quickly, like an animal or a plant, to be able to survive in harsh environments like Africa and stuff. So, um the indigenous people can have like fresh produce and wildlife to like hunt and cook and stuff. Clearly, there is something to be said for letting kids come up with their own answers to impossible questions, whether you're a single parent or not. 
There's also something to be said for guiding your kid toward questions that do have answers, like how to make beef wellington. Judah explains in just a minute. Don't go away. Meat's like the main part of my diet. It's everything that I eat, everything that I live for. Meat is a good thing for kids to cook because it can test their technique in the kitchen and they can learn from their mistakes. We're back with Kara and Judah. Now remember, Judah loves cooking because it means he can get close to fire. Fire is life. I couldn't resist playing that again. Anyway, the first time Judah got a good taste of the power of fire on food was back when he was about seven years old. It was his mom's birthday, and they went to this fancy restaurant called Lemuse. So uh, we went there, and I've, I just felt really curious in what they was doing in the kitchen. So I just went and took a look, and I said, I want to learn how to do that. It looked really cool. Judah started wanting to help his mom cook. And then he wanted to cook by himself. So his mom would make him responsible for one meal a week. He started with things like toast with mashed blueberries. Then he moved on to more edible things like pastas and pizzas and salads. And then he started watching cooking shows and he'd try to recreate the stuff that he saw chefs making. It's like, you know, when you meet a kid and they're fanatical about football or baseball or or sport. Mm hmm. That's what he's like about cooking. Like it's, it's, he just, it's just his thing. Here's the difference though, between kids who are into sports and kids who are into cooking. I can't tell you how many times I hear parents of athletes complaining about how they have to shuttle this kid to a track meet, the other kid to a soccer game, and they lose their entire weekend to driving kids around the state. This hobby of Judah's, there's really no downside for Kara. In fact, it has a big payoff. What has he made recently that blew me away? He made um, this, it it was a anglais, um, which is a part of the the cow neck. And um, he made an almond crust that went on it and a parsnip puree with creamed pea shoots. (laughs) And... I, like, licked the plate. <laughs> like, I was like, this is amazing. Kara also gives Judah cooking challenges. Like, he's on his own at-home MasterChef show. Like, sometimes she'll give me uh, four, four days to come up with a recipe. Um, and on Friday, we'll go to the shop and get the ingredients. And then um, on Saturday, we'll try and cook it. Wow, what's, what's your favorite thing that you've made? My favorite thing that I've made. Can I give you the top 20? <laughs> give me the top three. Top three. Um, probably when I made Beef Wellington for the first time. Mm-hmm. What makes a Beef Wellington? Um, well, it's, it's actually a very simple way to assemble it but the process takes forever so it's like beef fillet wrapped in a mushroom paste wrapped in prosciutto ham 
wrapped in pastry, then baked. That sounds complicated. It's quite simple, but then there's like the whole chilling process and stuff. Judah also loved cooking his first omelet. Because it was like, I never read a recipe on how to do it. I just kind of guessed it and I got it like perfect. His third favorite, an Indian dish, a curry with spiced rice and naan. Has he ever cooked anything that's just been a big flop? Oh, yeah, yeah. And and he, he really needs me to be honest. None of that, oh, I love it because I love you stuff. <laughs> it's, mom, it's terrible, isn't it? Just say it. Like he, 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 um, he definitely needs me to be honest. And there are times, I mean, in the beginning, he was making some good stuff, but this is before he understood the science of cooking. He had some some pretty big blunders and they were terrible, but um, I still ate them because that was the rule. The rule that I had that I and I still have is I cook what he eats because that's the kind of rule that parents you, give. You right? eat what he so cooks. it's like, yeah, that's why I eat what he cooks because he had to do it for me. You know, I, when he was younger and I was cooking for him, you ate what was on the dinner table, and so I said, "Well, if you're cooking dinner, I will eat what you give me." and and um, and and also, there were some times where you know we couldn't afford to not eat what he cooked, and I think also that um, is also what gave him the encouragement to really get things right because you know I don't have a lot of money and I I can't always you know I can't always afford to just we can't waste food. So it's like he knows if he if he, if I do sort of surprise him with a really good cut of meat, um, he knows that you know that cut of meat is actually worth uh, two two dinners or or a weekly sometimes a, a weekly food budget depending on the cut of meat and so you know he'll really treat it with respect and care and and he'll try and make it go as far as possible, hmm. um, but. Yeah, it's and it's cool because sometimes I'll get a phone call and he'll say, oh, I'm starting dinner. Uh, what time are you going to be home? And I'm That's like, so awesome. yes, it is. Or, or he'll do things now because, you know, now that he's 12 and he's like grown, he, he got a, I got him like a little starter. You know, you have like a, a kid's first bank account and it comes with like a, a debit card and he's like, oh, I'm going to go get, some, don't worry, I'll, I'll go to the store and I'll pick up ingredients for dinner and and I'm just wow like, yes win win <laughs> judah is exactly the age that kara was when her mom died now as a mom kara gets to be there to experience what her mom missed out on like comforting her kid through his deep dark questions celebrating his wins and watching him start to pull away from her a little at a time so every Every weekend, uh, Judah makes scones, and they're amazing. If you're ever in London, we will make you scones. Oh. They're so good. Well, no, I won't. He will. <laughs> but, um, so I wake up uh, one Saturday, and I smell scones, and life is beautiful, and I kind of swan into the living room, and I'm like, oh, you know, and I'm like reaching for a scone, and he's like, those aren't for you. And I'm like, oh, you know, what do you mean? And, and he's like, oh, it's my friend's birthday. We've decided we're going to meet in the park. I made the scones for him. And and he was leaving. And I was like, where are you going? He's like, I'm going to be in the park. Text me. 
<laughs> and <laughs> I was like, so I I can't come. And he's like, no. <laughs> and I'm just like, what am I going to do? And he's like, I don't know. And he just, he was gone. He was gone all day, Hillary. He was gone. Uh, and yeah. And so I was like, oh man, he's, you know, it's happening. You're going to be a grown up before you know it. Yeah. You know, you, um, the, the last line of your Twitter profile is owned and managed by my mom. Yeah. <laughs> and you're 12. You're, you're gonna, like, what, what do you think it'll be like when you're not owned and managed by your mom? Um, I think, to be honest, I don't think it'll be much more different because depending on, I, I don't, like, uh, like, I don't know. Well, I don't care how old I really will get. I don't think I'm ever going to part from my mom. Never going to part from his mom? I can't stand it. Okay, can we please hear one more clip from this kid's podcast? It's dessert time, and here's a random fact that's going down a treat in my world. Did you know the American snapping turtle has a head bigger than a rugby ball, almost the size of two iPads? And also, their beak is so strong, it can snap a rolling pin. Speaking of rolling pins, today I thought we should celebrate the old-fashioned rolling pin. Because I don't think they get enough attention. And you don't really realize how many times you use the wooden rolling pin to make dinner, lunch, or just smashing things up. Kara swears Judah has not smashed up their entire kitchen yet. You can keep up with Judah and his whole cooking world on his website, judalondon.com. And in the spirit of Judah's big questions, we want to know what your kids are asking you. We're collecting kids' unanswerable questions for our live show at the Now Hear This Festival in Anaheim this October. We will be recording a show on stage with a special celebrity guest. We'll be announcing that person first in our newsletter, so go sign up for that at longestshortesttime.com. That is also where you can tell us your kids' far out, weird, unanswerable questions. Leave those in the comments for this episode. That's episode 95. This podcast is produced by me, Hillary Frank, and Abigail Keel. We are edited by Peter Clowney. Our engineers are Pete Karam and the Reverend John Delore. Our theme music is by the Batteries Duo. We get editorial support from Anne-Marie Baldonado and Antonia Acatunde. Production help this week from Jane Marie and Grant Irving. Next week, we are joined by the famous sex and relationships therapist, Esther Perel. And she is dishing out sex advice for parents. This morning, after the kids are going to leave, in fact, we're going to pretend we go to work, but we don't. And we're going to stay home. And I'm going to be sitting at the table and I'm going to pretend that I'm working. But in fact, you know that I'm waiting for you to come toward me. Do not miss this episode. Seriously, this advice is amazing. Whether you're a parent or not a parent, make sure you are subscribed to The Longest Shortest Time in iTunes or Stitcher or wherever you get your podcasts. And while you're there, be nice to us and write us a review. And as always, here at The Longest Shortest Time, we are looking for your stories. We love to hear all that family stuff that you think about all the time, but never talk about. Come talk about it in front of everybody right on our show. Go to longestshortesttime.com and submit your story. Thanks so much for taking the time to talk to me. No problem. All right. Good luck with your cooking and everything. 
Thank you. Bye-bye. Good luck with your podcast. Oh, thanks. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye. Hey, folks, it's me, Mark Marin. And if you love podcasts, you don't want to miss. Now hear this. A really big podcasting festival coming in October to the Los Angeles area. Come see me and lots of shows you love. More than 30 great podcasts live on six stages. It'll be a weekend full of laughs, storytelling, and your favorite hosts up close. You've got earwolf favorites like Comedy Bang Bang and with special guest Lauren Lapkus. Plus more great shows like Brilliant Idiots, Criminal, and The Moth. And I'm doing a special WTF as well. Do a VIP pass for meet and greets with your favorite hosts. Sit up close in reserved seating. Hang out in the VIP lounge and get more special perks as well. It all happens at Now Hear This, October 28th through the 30th in Anaheim, California, right near Los Angeles. Don't miss it. Go to NowHearThisFest.com to buy your tickets. Okay? Good. Great. Up. You sing your wolf? Yeah. This has been an Earwolf production, executive produced by Scott Ackerman and Chris Bannon. For more information and content, visit earwolf.com. Earwolf.